everybody to this panel discussion on personal branding. So I have here with me today um, four people who are very well placed to share with you their thoughts on personal branding and, um, and how you can develop it for yourself and get ahead in your career. So first up, I'll um, throw it to the panel to introduce themselves. Um, they'll talk a little bit about what they um, studied at UWA and also what they've done in their career since UWA. Um, and after that very quick introduction, we'll jump straight into the um, personal branding questions. So would you like to kick us off? Sir? Yes. Hello, my name is Toto. For I think I've met a few of you here um, in the audience. And I studied at UWA. I did a Bachelor of Science. Um, there's a few of you, I think quite a few of you doing a Bachelor of Science at the moment. Um, and from there, I majored in human physiology, sports science, and a minor in marketing um, once I graduated. I went to work in marketing for Nike and a few other um, sports marketing businesses. From there, I ventured into management in before and after school care programs, something very different. Um, because for me, I wanted to experience as many jobs or um, organizations as possible. Um, and then from there, I started my own business in image consulting, which is essentially helping businesses and individuals project the right image that's aligned to their message. Um, okay, yeah, that's, that's me in a, I think in two minutes. Hi everyone, I'm Bronnie Fisher. I'm currently HR manager at Doghouse Agency. We're a small media agency in CBD. Um, since graduation in 2006, I, well, I graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce. Um, I, it took me a year to get there because I'm um, not being hugely academic. I started in arts and then worked my way into Bachelor of Commerce um, and didn't have the faintest clue what I wanted to do when I graduated. Um, so I decided to um, head over to London and learn some life skills and um, begged myself into a role at a recruitment agency and have pretty much worked my way up from there um, and find myself, yeah, today, 10 years later in, um, in an HR manager role. Um, and I'm also very passionate about this, this, this area of, um, of HR and recruitment. Through my, my career, I've actually run graduate programs myself um, and on the side, certainly do the mentoring for graduates. So hopefully you get a lot out of the session today. <laughs> Hi, I'm Danny Marr. <coughs> and, uh, I also obviously a graduate of UWA. Uh, I studied Bachelor of Engineering and Bachelor of Commerce and uh, graduated in 2001. And, uh, and then, like Bonnie, I didn't really necessarily know what I wanted to do in life, but I had always aspired, at, based on, I guess, what I hear and perception and everything, uh, that I wanted to be a management consultant. So then I went out to apply for all these management consultancy roles at the absolute trough of the downturn back in, back in those years, and there, there was virtually no intake. So then I thought, oh, what's, what next? Um, what, 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 can I, what career path can I do that, that will take me to um, see most places around the world, see people from all walks of life? And I thought, ah, oil and gas. That sounds like fun. Um, fun. Funny story, side story, is my mate who interviewed for the same role before me also had the faintest idea of what to say in the interview. And uh, when, when posted the question, oh, why do you want to work in the oil and gas industry? He says, oh, I like the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and he came out and he was like shaking his head. I don't think I got it. <laughs> 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 good, 
good tip. I won't say that. <laughs> but, uh, and then look, 18 years later, I have been uh, all around the world. I've been, uh, I've worked all parts of Asia. I've worked in Mexico, I worked in North America, did a little stint in India, um, Indonesia, uh, I spent a lot of years in, um, wound up back in, back in Perth, um, the best place in the world. And, uh, and I've met people from all walks of life, uh, yeah, various demographics. It's, it's, it's been very, very interesting and very exciting. Um, I uh, currently uh, in the work in a capacity of um, project management, so executing uh, offshore engineering construction projects, and also uh, do a role in business development. And uh, so I spent a lot of time actually just networking, meeting people and talking, yeah. And in my spare time, I do a fair bit of cycling as well. So recent uh, four-way, first time uh, went off-road, rode out to Northern on a, on a single track off-road on a cyclocross bike, 160 kilometers there and back in 41 degrees heat. <laughs> that wasn't fun and fell off a couple of times as well. So yeah, that was good. That <laughs> was Chris. Oh, thanks, Danny. Uh, my name's Chris Smales. I'm a uh, partner here at EY. I'm a tax partner and a law partner. Um, I studied, and I'm conscious of the fact I'm the oldest on the panel by a long way, so I started studying in the 1970s, would you believe? Um, and I did law at UWA, and back in the day when you, there was no entry from school, uh, you had to spend a year in any faculty of your choosing in order to get the marks to get into law. And law then was a four-year degree. It was three years of Bachelor of Laws, uh, sorry, of B-Juris and LLB. And I chose arts and um, I think you needed uh, a minimum of two, two B-pluses and two Cs, which is what I ended up getting. I think only four years before that, it, you needed four Cs in your first year to get into law. So that was around the time when there was much heated competition to get in. That was the only law school in town. There was only, only UWA. We had 108 people in the first year. Having said that, when I graduated, there wasn't a whole lot of jobs either. It was, the law profession was much, much smaller than it is now. Um, I was lucky enough to get a job at a firm then called Stone James, quite, quite a big Perth firm. It's 32 partners. That's in 983, 84, whatever it was. And that's a big operation. Now it's called Mallison's, which actually is a smaller firm in Perth. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was just working as a lawyer, did commercial law. I ended up working with a guy I quite like working with. And then um, I think my career was drifting a bit and I played a bit of cricket. And one of the guys I played cricket with asked me what I was doing with my job. And I said, I'm not quite sure. And he said, well, do you want to come and interview for a job with us? Because we've got a guy in tax who was really stretched. And this, that was at a firm called Robinson Cox, which became Clayton Newts about six or seven years later. So I went to, uh, I decided that um, I want to have a career in tax, having not done tax at university and not having done tax at Mallison's either. But I decided that uh, I'd, I liked the big firms and I wanted to specialise and I knew that even in my infancy, I knew that if you wanted to get ahead in, and I was ambitious to get ahead in a big firm, you needed to specialise. So I became a tax lawyer at the age of 27. Anyway, then I became a partner in that firm uh, in Clayton Utes. I left after a couple of years and started a firm called Norton and Smales with Richard Norton, who was the tax partner that I joined as a young guy. 
And we ran a firm here for 22 years. And it was called Norton Smales Tax Lawyers. Um, I was the managing partner. Um, and we had a staff of, say, 20 lawyers and about eight ad admin staff. Tax lawyer sounds dry and boring. I can assure you it's, it's actually not, but you have to take my word for it. Um, <laughs> and I do a lot of work in the private client uh, space. I mean, my job now is I'm a head of private client services at EY. And the reason I'm at EY is because that firm, Norton & Smales, was acquired by EY in, in, uh, in April 16, so I'm coming up for three years. Um, all the staff came across. I lost a couple along the way after a few months, but um, the firm has grown, the, the, the revenue actually has grown. My job is a little bit similar, but a lot of it's different. I am part of the um, overall management team of law of EY in Australia, which is about 80 lawyers. So my job's quite different. Um, and that's where I am at the moment. I'm going to over time. No. So, as you can see, we've got a, a great panel to talk about personal branding. So, one of the questions you might be wondering is how can you build a really strong personal brand for yourself? And I will throw that to each of our panellists um, because I think there's lots of different aspects that they can talk about. But I'd like to start with Bronnie. If you can talk a little bit about how they can build a strong personal brand. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean... From, from my perspective, I suppose the stance that I'm taking is from a recruitment and the hiring, the hiring process. Um, I mean, the reality is that the personal brand as a graduate is really, it's all, it's all you've got. And for it to give you the professional edge that you need to get your CV to the top of the pile, I think what I would like to sort of stress is the importance of just following the basic etiquette when it comes to recruitment. Um, adhering to dress codes, not having spelling mistakes in your cover letter or your CV, um, being on time to a job interview, following up afterwards to say thank you very much for the opportunity, appreciate your time to talk. I mean, it's basic, basic stuff, but I'm never surprised to see these things going wrong all the time. And unfortunately, when you've got a pile of 70 CVs in front of you, it's not going to make it to the top 10. Um, there, are more there are more people than there are jobs. Um, so anything you can do to get ahead of the pack um, in starting from the basics will help. Um, my advice would be, I mean, just listening to the pattern of, of, of feedback from us all working through, you know, our ways up in, in our careers, is just have conversations for everyone. Um, Chris having a conversation with someone at Cricket meant that he actually became a tax lawyer. Um, and you might not know what you want to do at the very beginning, and that's fine. Like, looking back now, it's like, gosh, I wish I didn't sweat it. Um, because every opportunity is going to be important because you'll know very quickly what you don't want to do. It might take some time to figure out what you actually do want to do, and again, that's fine. It's part of the hero's journey. Um, and when you do know what you want to do, specialise and do it well. Do it to the best of your ability. Um, and, and yeah, and have, have, have fun along the way. Um, hmm. I think that's probably my, and also there's one, there's one more. There's one, when we talked on Monday about the briefing for this session, we talked a lot about um, what was sort of the most valuable asset that looking back we had um, with regards to um, what's really pushed us ahead in our career. Um, and I think for me, I, I wouldn't underestimate the importance of doing work experience um, I think that's certainly um, incredibly important. Um, 
not being also being afraid of rejection as well. Don't have fear without picking up the phone and speaking to a recruiter or um, you know just just cast the net as wide as possible and just and see, see what sticks. Um, talking to as many people as possible, like I said, um, and, and taking every opportunity really that you can. Yeah. yeah very good advice. And I love how um, Bronnie, when you say these things, it sounds like sensible when you say them, but but just hearing it and, and what you call basic, you know, yeah. following up after a job interview, when you said that, I thought, oh, God, I remember to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't know if anybody there has ever done that. Yeah. So, okay, well, uh, I'd like to throw it over to Toto now. Um, Toto, can you give us ideas about um, perhaps different ways that people can build their own strong personal brand? Yes, um, for me, I'll keep it short and simple because I feel a lot of you would have heard a lot of advice, <laughs> um, Googled a lot of articles and read on personal branding. Um, what I would like to focus on is the relationship aspect, um, building as many relationships as possible and having it a strategic purpose to it. So the relationships you build with people should have an end goal in what it should relate to, for example, if you would like to work at EY. You know, the relationships you build um, should have a direct link to that goal and the relationships will give you those opportunities. Um, and so for me, every opportunity that you can talk to someone and build a relationship, understand where that person is coming from, understand um, as much of them as possible and use that as a tool to build that long-term relationship for your brand because your brand is what other people perceive you and that's based on relationships. Mm. Yeah, very good advice. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you, Toto. Um, I'd like to throw it over to Chris and then Danny after that. Okay. Um, I guess I'll come at it from two aspects. One is in the sort of hiring phase and one will be sort of in the job phase but it's extremely difficult especially with the competition for jobs to be able to say oh that's a much better CV than that one or uh, uh, that person's interest because they like going hiking they must be a very interesting person or something that just doesn't this just doesn't cut it um, so places like this have sort of screening processes and uh, EQ or IQ tests but you know what do you write down on your CVs, and what do you, and what sometimes the firms like this ask you to write about what you want to do? Don't just sort of spend five minutes on it. Give it a bit of time because people actually do read it. Yeah. That wasn't the point I was going to make. The point I was going to make was that, you know, if you're having an interview for a job, be prepared. Just be prepared, and talk etiquette and the way you present yourself. That's one thing. Almost got to be a bit of a given. But I'm talking about if you're going for a job, and I've got to relate it back to my business in a uh, essentially a commercial law firm, which is what I operate here, then you need to be a person that's screaming out to the employer, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that could be a commercial lawyer, you know. For a start, you know, read the paper, um, know what's on the TV um, and in the news, uh, know what's going to, what Bill Shorten might do if he becomes Prime Minister with the tax legislation, refunds of franking credits. If you're looking for a job in a tax firm, you wouldn't believe the number of times I've got I interview people who are very smart, got distinctions all through their marks, and I'd say, so what do you think about the, the uh, Bill Shorten's view on negative gearing? Okay. Just stare at me, and I think, well, well what do you th did you read today's West Australia about this? No, I don't read the paper. So you don't read the paper. So things like that I, I would find quite odd, and that's just sort of being prepared uh, for that sort of job. If you want a different job, you want to work as a criminal lawyer or a family lawyer, you might be interested in different things, but don't, you know, Read, read up is what I'm saying. And the other one I think is when you're in a job and you, and you say what is someone's personal brand, um, to, to me 
it's people who are capable of delivering something. So you, you come into a job, you're not going to be an expert. In, in your first year, especially in a, in a legal job or an accounting job, professional services, um, you're not going to be an expert. But what people will expect you to do is make mistakes. Don't, don't make mistakes twice. Own up to your mistakes. But more importantly, as, as soon as you can, become a person who is regarded as a safe pair of hands. So you can be brilliantly clever. You can have brilliant conversations. You can write brilliant little opinion pieces, but if you're not really solving problems, or you're not coming back to someone who's giving you the problem where you've, you've, you're, you're resolving it, or you're moving it towards resolution, if you're only, as I say, batting the ball back over the net, you're not really winning the game. And you'd be surprised the number of people who can project as, in my game, good lawyers, uh, smart, yet they're not really solving things. And it's those people that after a year or so might be disappointed. They're not going to get the pay rise they think they get. They did very well at university, but they're not doing very well at work. Um, if they're well managed, they'll be listening to what you're saying on, on a regular feedback basis. But again, you'll, you would, might be surprised. Some people just don't listen. They've got a way that they've always operated. There's, they've got a peer group they talk to. They think they're great. And they will probably leave and go somewhere else. They may do the same thing. I don't know. But uh, being prepared and being able to sort of deal with problems and <coughs> solve them or move towards solving them, I think of someone in a, in a law office that, I think I said this on the phone the other day, if you can regard as that person as a safe pair of hands, that is a more valuable moniker mm -hmm. than, oh, that person's really clever. Yep. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's my view of it. I love, the, I love that idea of a, a, the safe pair of hands because if you can make yourself that person that everybody knows um, will get the job done, you're actually going to be an extremely valuable commodity. Yeah. It's a rare, it's a rare person. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, Danny? Yeah, so um, to, to add on to that, I think in terms of personal branding on, on, and how you're perceived by um, those that you uh, deal with, it, it's, it's very important. Um, I think one thing is in integrity, uh, and it's, 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 it's being able to uh, deliver uh, um, the fact that you are you're an honest um, person you you will you will um, uphold your word uh, you, you do the right things and all of that is very important from from a branding or image perspective um, in building relationships uh, it's it's obviously very important as the panel has already discussed you need to meet as many people as possible Toto mentioned about having some purposes in in where you want to get to as well but I find that in, 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 in meeting people uh, and, and, and dealing with people that, that you, you, you associate with, it's very important to take an interest. Uh, um, and, and that's how you build the relationship. It's, it's, it's one thing knowing people's names and knowing what they do, etc. But it's different knowing what their passions are, what drives them, what interests them, um, what the family situation is. You know, by, by by, by having a conversation and, and digging a little bit deeper, um, it goes a long way. Like I, in, in my role as business development, um, I, I rarely walk into my first meeting with a potential client and, and talk business, very rarely. I, I usually go in and start asking and discussing a lot of hobbies, you know, um, their personal interests and stuff and, and, and build that uh, uh, relationship first, oh, yeah. that rapport, exactly. Um, so I find that, that to be very, very important and has been very, very useful. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, and yeah. again, sorry to interrupt, no, no, I think it's a really valid point is that when, again, when we're hiring, whether you're a graduate or whether you know, you're 10 years post-grad, whatever, 50% um, of the decision is going to be based on cultural fit. Um, and certainly when you're recruiting for a graduate program, when you've got a lot of applicants, potentially, you've got an intake of 25 people, um, you also want to consider a blend of candidates as well. So it's not necessarily going to be the most academic because you also need people who are curious and people who are creative and mm. people who can problem solve. Um, so it's just just be authentic and always be curious. Exactly. And um, be, be I, I'll never yeah. forget when, I, when we had this really amazing old school engineer at Wally Parsons where I ran the graduate program. And um, he's, he never really looked at the academic record. And he's really, he, he said, forget about the scripts, forget about the interview guards, Bron, don't really care. All I want to know is that can this guy build a motorbike? He wants to be an electrical engineer. Is he passionate? Is he curious? You know, is it something that he does in his spare time? Because that's someone who's going to go far. Um, yeah. yeah. Curious, that, that's, that's, that's a word that I use a lot in, in, in my job, in looking at, at people. That's the safe pair of hands thing is in solving problems, is if you're curious, you'll try and find the answer even if all the facts aren't there before you. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's the, it's the person, you know, we're busy. Uh, Partners are busy, managers are busy. You don't always give everyone the sort of set of tools to go and solve a problem. Yeah. It's the people that come back and say, you know, when you were talking to me yesterday and you said this, this, and this, it sort of, oh, it just doesn't make any sense to me, Chris. Um, yeah. Uh, that takes. And, and I might go, you're right, actually, because I was too busy at the time. I was on the phone and um, I probably didn't tell you what I needed to tell you. But I can now say this, or I might say, yeah, you have, you've gone down the wrong path. What about looking this way? Mm -hmm. That's a problem solver, whereas the non-problem solver will go away for three days in their office and disappear for a while, <laughs> and they'll go, I just can't seem to find the answer. Well, why don't you come back and talk to me? Yeah. That's what a problem solver yeah. does, is, yeah. is, is trying to find a way. It's the curiosity of, like, I want yeah. to get the answer, not yeah. just sort of sit and stare at a book. Mm. I think in the workplace, it's very important to be flexible, adaptive. Um, don't be so bogged down on your job description and, and individual bullet, bullet points That's, that are in there. Yeah. Um, if, if you've been asked to do something that is slightly outside of your, yeah. your, your core roles. If you, can, if, you, if, if you end up with the wrong perception of what you're meant to be, then you'll, you'll shape your career that way. Yeah. And as I said, in, in law, there, there was a, there's a preponderance of people that think that you've got to have very good marks and be really, really smart and you will be a good lawyer. It just doesn't work mm. that way, particularly in private practice. And the point that you made, Danny, about building relationships, you know, if... It's, it is a business, professional services is a business. It might be different if you're in the government, but you need to build relationships with clients. At, at some point in time of your career, you've got to be able to get on and build business and bring business in. You don't do that if you can't talk to people or you can't relate to people. So the, the, what we look for at EY, we did it in Norton Smales as well, but I think EY do it better, is they're able to sift out fairly quickly or early in the piece people that are good at building relationships, people that get on with people. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So the more you can work on those skills, the better. And if you've got those skills naturally, then keep them going. Mm. If you're naturally gregarious, that's a good thing. So I'm, I'm hearing a lot about relationships. Uh, it's, mm. it's a theme coming through here. And I guess at the heart of that, work is done by people and relationships is the grease between people. So yeah, that's very good advice. Okay, we don't have a whole lot of time left. Um, but what I would like to do is to try to paint the picture of an exceptional person who's got really excellent personal branding. So um, I'll throw that to the entire um, panel here. What, what does that person look like who 
who has a really great front to the rest of the world. Anybody? I've sort of said enough. <laughs> I think um, in terms of an individual, that's yeah. exceptional. Yeah. Um, the what I believe in terms of an exceptional brand is a strong core of values, um, and essentially someone like Steve Steve Jobs, who's um, recently passed away. Um, you know, he's comfortable in his own and he's genuine. There's no need to be someone else or try to fit a certain mold. And so with that, there is also you know, certain factors in, and I like to focus on the emotional intelligence, combining emotional intelligence with your IQ, because I'm sure a lot of you are very intelligent here in terms of IQ. And then it'll be a percentage of you which have a high IQ that can talk to an 18-year-old you know, from ECU or a, or a, um, you know, a, um, if, um, a 50-year-old, accounting um, partner. So that's where I believe the exceptional personal brand and exceptional comes from, com mm. com combining the two. Yeah. And I forward to yeah, no. Very good point, panelists. yeah. 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 Uh, well, I think the core values thing comes through. So, <laughs> you know, young people, it's impossible to say, well, you know, I want to be this and I want to, in 10 years' time I'll do this. Jobs will change. But mm. your personality and the way you go about your, your business won't. So I think that the sooner you can work out what sort of person you are and the things that you like doing, the better. Um, and that shapes your, your values, how you deal with people, how hard you're going to work. Um, that, you know, for example, I, I see a lot of confusion with young people with, well, I want to have a job that's got work-life balance. Mm. Right? Well, you know what? Everybody does. But what does that, not many people know what that actually means. What it actually really means is, is trying to work into your life a hell of a lot of work and a hell of a lot of other things that you don't do. But it, what it doesn't mean is, in a professional services firm, for example, is coming in every day at the same time and leaving at the same time. And then you, get, then you can be accused, oh, well, you want people to work all day and all night. Well, that's not what you want either. Because if that's happening, then there's something wrong in the workplace. But there will be times when you will get in at 7 o'clock in the morning, you will leave at 10 o'clock at night. If that's happening all the time, then there's something wrong with the workplace and that needs to be dealt with. Mm. And other times you, you'll get in at 8 o'clock and leave at 3 because there's nothing else to do and you've been working hard. Yeah. I mean, so look, work-life balance does yeah. get thrown around as just a word yeah. well-being. Um, yeah. And I'm studying corporate wellness as well and I even sometimes roll my eyes myself. But mm. the rea you, you've got to work hard, particularly in the beginning. You've it, got to earn your In the beginning, yeah. Um, yeah. And if you are going into an interview, and yes, of course, work-life balance is important to everyone. Um, but that will come in time. Um, but you've got to work hard, prove yourself, earn your stripes, and figure out what it is that comes very naturally to you. And some skills will be very intrinsic, um, and other things will be really hard. And that's okay. Again, um, you know, it's not meant to be easy. And you will, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll find, you'll find the path. It'll all, um, again, it's just part of the journey. And and. But the, the basics that you can get right and then working really hard and proving yourself, I just, again, I just don't think you can underestimate that. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think just to, to, to add on that, I think to, to uh, I think draw correlations with positive or exceptional branding mm. would be, I say, to be able to positively surprise people, um, mm. if, if I sort of keep <coughs> it simplistically. And, and that could mean in, in all facets of, of, of things you know, surprise people by, as, as you've just mentioned, working harder than, than 
that's expected of you or the norm, you know, coming in earlier, working later. And, 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 and obviously, you don't have to do it constantly. It's, it's as and when required. You know? We've discussed the work-life balance. Well, I think what, what I was saying is if, if you know who you are, you yeah. won't regard that as um, a hardship. And, and I'm yeah. not trying to paint that that's what firms are like. Mm. But it's just that it's in your early years in professional services, and you've all done degrees at UWA, you're not, you haven't come out to be, to be bricklayers. Professional services is hard, and you need to put time in in the early years to get ahead, or just to stay up with it. Yeah. If you start off in a job and you're just working, I'm telling you, if you worked nine till five, you will not get where you want to be unless you're absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, but and that doesn't mean you've got to work all night either, but it just means you've got to But apart from just work, work and work, as yeah. we are talking about, it, the whole positively surprising people is also just how rounded you can be uh, you know, some you may at your earlier stages in your career, you may be invited to a very high-profile event, dinner with with some uh, important people, yeah. and 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 suddenly you you you, you rock up in, in a very well-fitted suit, um, you carry yourself well, you, you don't embarrass the company, and all <laughs> the, all well, of no, the, that's, that's a really all of these point. things yeah. um, in, in my earlier days, it, you know, it, it has surprised my seniors, and they've they've just gone, oh wow, you. Mm. You brush up all right, <laughs> um, or, or you know, you've just carried out a conversation as a graduate with uh, a, a CEO of, well, a, of a client or, a, or someone very senior. You've just inadvertently landed yourself in a position. Well, if, if management is looking at future leaders or yeah. future partners or directors, whatever you want to call it, the, the one of the qualities is: does this person get on with people? If he's yeah. sitting, he or she's sitting in this situation or at, this, at a cocktail party, how do they deal with it? Mm. Mm. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of um, themes come through here. Mm. Um, so, look, uh, we're, we're kind of out of time. Um, so I, I think we've had a lot of great ideas here, a lot better than my advice to my team for personal branding, which is don't eat your lunch in front of your computer and sort of <laughs> leave it at that. Um, but look, we've got some time for questions, um, just not that many. But does anyone have any questions for our panel? Yep, someone over there. Hi, um, I guess this is mainly for Bronnie, but um, for the whole panel. Um, I work in marketing and there's a lot of um, kind of what I call like show pony um, cover letters flying about. What's your opinion on a kind of show pony cover letter or like some kind of stunt cover letter? This is so something that's a little bit sort of outside, outside the Yeah, yeah more outside than the just like addressing the, you know, how you'd fit the role. Yeah. Just kind of like, you know, there's been stunt donut boxes and all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff that people yeah. seem to be doing these days. Just I think it's quite role specific. So for example, in marketing, I'd imagine that you would want to see a cover letter that is creative and thought provoking. And um, But the key for me when I'm looking at a cover letter is just to get an understanding about that person's career profile and also their ambitions moving forward. Um, if... Um, if you are in, if you're a developer, as an example, if you're coding, then I suppose you want to showcase your work, so you would send through a GitHub account or whatever it might be. A cover letter wouldn't necessarily be as important. It's just your digital presence, and it's um, and it's basically how you um, how you code. And um, but for marketing, I think it probably is quite Im important. I would have thought, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Okay, okay, so um, donut, bo donut boxes, not usually the way to go, unless you're going for a job designing donut boxes. Mm. Something. So, okay, great. Um, any other questions? Anyone? 
you have a microphone? Yep, up the back. Uh, thank you. I found the comments you made about problem solving very, very interesting. I've had about 25 years in the workforce and I think I'm on to my third career now. And um, I'm actually quite a good problem solver. But it's very, very hard to influence people when you're going to an interview that that's a core skill set that you possess and therefore you can bring that to the table. Essentially, they look at your resume and go, you haven't done this job before, you come from a different sector. Transferability of skills is very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. And someone who has a lot of courage and is a good problem solver, which I think are key qualities for getting on, particularly in the 21st century, tend to be overlooked in favour of just getting the next person who's done the job somewhere before, particularly in a market now, where we've got fewer jobs than job seekers. So how would you advise someone to actually really play up their problem-solving skills? Because I feel they're overlooked and the transferability of them is overlooked between sectors. Yeah, yeah on a piece of paper, it's very hard to prove soft skills, isn't it, really? Um, it's, it's, it's very hard at an in, in interview. Um, yeah. If someone hasn't seen your work, but you, you could probably give a couple of examples would be a good idea. Um, this is where it was very important. We all discussed individually yeah. that you network and you get your branding and your name out there so that you don't necessarily just rely on a piece of paper that's sitting on someone's desk. Um, you know, you're, you're hopefully someone's heard about the work you've done, uh, someone's had some personal dealings with you. Yeah, referees. And referees. Yeah, um, yeah and, and I know that to get to the reference calls and the checks, it, it, you've got to get through the, the beginning stage, but hopefully your, your, your branding and your name is already out there through through networking that someone somewhere has yeah. mentioned you and and yeah you're, it, it, you're it, a great it's slightly off point but also take every opportunity so like we have vacation workers from uni here that come for a couple of weeks and so forth mm -hmm. yeah you have a great time at places like this they're very big on grads and pizzas and beer and everything like that but when you're there have you know work hard i mean trying to find out what's going on you can have a good time and still do that yeah um Take every opportunity is, is what I would say. And then you demonstrate to someone who may be employing you that you can be a problem solver. Yeah. But it, it, just to answer your question, if it helps, um, in those circumstances, I would really heavily lean on your networks just so you can get some kind of soft introduction because yep. that would certainly help. Yep. Um, and then a lot of perseverance, a lot of grit. Um, it, yeah, again, that's, that's super important because we get rejected for about five jobs before you find the right one and we land the right one. Um, and that's, that is okay as well. Mm. You know, that is okay. Be kind to yourselves. If you get rejected, it doesn't matter. Mm. It really doesn't. Um, there's so much more opportunity out there and you just almost sometimes try to trust, trust the organisation, trust the HR person that says, actually, we don't think this person's quite the right fit and actually trust that um, because you don't necessarily know because you're not, you're not in the organisation, you're not in the team. And you're like, okay, it's not right, it's not right, mm. next, you know, what else is out there? Mm. Yeah, and don't get necessarily fixated on meeting the right person. So if you're in engineering, you don't necessarily have to meet the, the engineering managers yeah. of the firm yeah. uh, because you could meet someone who's in finance, but if that person is, a, is someone who's highly regarded and, 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 and you know, yeah. has a bit of influence in the company, their word, uh, it could be just as important to... HR or the interviewer or the decision maker or the hiring person mm. uh, as, as, as someone who's actually in your discipline. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, well thanks for that. Um, we've got one more question over there. Yeah, um, just about personal branding. Uh, both a question and a comment for myself is, um, 
I guess in the modern times, social media is uh, very important, mm -hmm. uh, particularly, Good one. I would say, particularly LinkedIn and Facebook, both yep. in terms of uh, your visibility and yep. also people do research on people. And yep. I know for myself, you know, I, I run my own business and over 15 years in the business, um, I've got over millions of dollars of work based upon people contacting me directly on LinkedIn about business opportunities, work opportunities, and also both um, what they do, they research on me, and I've done my research on people, is that you know, we check up you on LinkedIn, we check up you on Facebook, and what you post on that, mm -hmm. we, we, you know, people look at that. And yeah. in fact, I haven't had a reference check in about 10 years, because everybody <laughs> yeah. goes on my LinkedIn, oh, yeah. we know you, that's what you do. Yeah. So, that's so relevant. So so relevant. Thank you for bringing that up because that was certainly yeah. on our agenda. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Definitely, um, online presence is. Yeah. I think everyone would agree. Um, Toto is um, somebody who consults on that sort of thing, really. Mm. And, yeah. Would you agree? It's um, definitely um, with this 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 area here. Um, social media is a big player in your brand and what you project out to your audience. Um, I have clients that call me before they post something to tell me if it's you know, gonna damage their reputation in terms of their business or their individual. Um, so as students, um, your Instagram accounts, your Facebook accounts, understand that you're projecting a certain image to your audience. Yeah. And is that aligned to your, yeah. back to your core values and what you want to achieve in your career? Yeah. If it doesn't, um, keep it private. That's, yeah. that's very simple advice. Mm. Yeah. And so I think, I think what we're seeing here is um, an online presence can be of great importance. Um, but to follow those same guidelines, I think that, that the whole panel was talking about in terms of relationships and integrity and EQ and all that sort of thing, I think uh, follows in, in the social media side as well.